Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. As usual, I'm Bradley and this week I'm joined by Stu and no Ben this week and we'll reveal more um, at a later date with regards to that. So yeah, interesting week just gone I suppose. Obviously since our last recording, coronavirus has gone all over the shop. Um, It's spread... There's people panic buying and stockpiling and stuff like that. So it's been an interesting week. But before we get to that kind of thing, we love games. So what have you been playing, Stu? First off, uh, an update on Beautiful Desolation, which, you know, listeners may remember I was talking about last week. Unfortunately, I've had to give up on it. I've, I've put five hours into it, which I think is a fair length to get an idea of whether you're going to love something or not. And it's a really well put together game. It's just one of those that's not for me. There's a little bit too much traversal and taking in the atmosphere and looking at the the lovely scenery versus the amount of interactions that you have. And for some people, they really, really love that. Uh, For me, I don't, unfortunately. So I've dropped it, but I'm really glad that I backed it on Kickstarter because it needed, I think it was $120,000 to be successful and it made 138 so it kind of just scraped over the line so so, so, so the 18,000 you put in <laughs> that was that was definitely the differentiator yeah. <laughs> yeah the reason they both the brothers who created it live in a mansion now is entirely down to me I think <laughs> to say. so the 18,000 and one dollar sorry just to make sure you got over the 120 <laughs> that's it yeah, I think I kicked in, I think it was about $15. Yeah, it was about £12.50 or something like that. So, it's, you know, it's one of those things, happy to back, happy it exists, but it's just not for me. I've done that recently, I say recently, game days ago. I think it was um, Walken. It ended up turning into Lords or something, whatever. And I liked the look of it when I had a PC and I backed it for about £15. And it ended up coming out after I'd lost my PC and couldn't afford a new one and it's out and it's doing really well and I'm, I'm sort of really glad it's doing well it's like a diablo-esque type game i think but i'm never probably never going to get around to playing it but i'm glad it saw the light of the day and i was able to help make that happen there's that sense of i'm trying to think what the right word it's not accomplishment but it's that sense of making sure something's been born into this world and that it's people are going to enjoy it and you've had a hand in that it's it's mm. really it re- feels really nice yeah, and it's easy to be sort of cynical about things when you, you go, oh, yeah, they all produce these Kickstarter videos where it's, oh, it's a couple of struggling artists and they really want to get this game to the to the table. But actually, in a lot of cases, it really seems like it's true. Like if you follow the guys on Twitter, you get to see what they're really thinking. And yeah, they're, they're kind of living the life that they're, you know, that they're actually saying they are in their in their design schematic. So yeah, it is nice to back them. I think Kickstarter, there's so many of those projects that just about make it. And I think they're, they're, I, I like hearing about those. And, and as you said, you've played it for five hours. It didn't end up being for you. And yeah, that's fine. And apart from that, um, I completed Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary. So that's part of the Master Chief collection that they've re-released. So it came out on Xbox a few years ago. Quite controversial because the conversion uh, slash reinterpretation slash remake had some fairly serious issues, as I understand it. So it's arrived on the PC. It's on PC Game Pass. And there are some issues, but none for me that got in, in the way of playing the game and enjoying it again. And the thing that really obviously stands out immediately is how 
little that initial design of Halo has been iterated on over the years, either by Bungie or three four three Industries who took over the franchise, or any other games. Really, it really stands alone as a unique experience. Even nearly 20, 20 years on, it's unbelievable. So it stands up even today. And, and if you've not played it for a long time, definitely recommend. There's something really special about Halo, the original one. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it is. What really jumps out is how um, nervous and uh, sort of recalcitrant the AAA market seems to have got around first-person shooters. Because mm-hmm. um, Halo sort of, you can spend a, a fair bit of time just walking through these sort of cyclopean, gigantic environments where there's nothing happening. You're just experiencing being in the world. And it trusts that the player will still enjoy that. It, it's big enough so that you, when you're driving around it in a warthog or whatever, that feels great. But also when you're silently sort of traversing and, and wondering where, what's going to be around the next corner or when you drop into a bunker, what's going to be waiting for you? Uh, uh, you know, those sorts of things happen all the time in it, as well as pitch battles that last for like 10 minutes that are completely breathless. Yeah. And there are no games these days in that genre that I, that I know of, if I'm wrong, correct me, but there are none in that genre that trust that the audience is not going to get bored. So they're, they're more like, you know, corridors where you can't continuously in cover, out of cover, and then there are enemies coming. And there's nothing wrong with that per se, but there is a huge gap in the market, I think, for, for something that trusts you. So what I will say there with you, it's not a full correction as such, um, but I've been playing a game recently and it, it stood out to me a little bit, is the Animal Crossing spin-off title, Doom, um, as it's, if you know your your memes and everything. But I've been playing Doom 2016 and that does that to a degree. Now, obviously not to the scale of Halo because it is you need to feel claustrophobic in Doom. But you have the big, almost arena-y style set pieces that go on and you, you're just the enemies coming from everywhere and you're shooting them. But there are moments of peace in there where you go from area to area and you it, it encourages you to explore in areas. Now, I had a really good think about all the other FPSs that have impressed me and um, thinking about sort of Doom and Doom 2016 and the legacy of that and you've got like Quake and Quake 2 which sort of brought in that I think they were the ones that brought in the mouse look so that you had much more verticality and Doom 2016 is very much like that um but how i think about them is they're like um i'd say they're like early 90s shooters uh you know platform shooters in 2d like i don't know like contra or elevator action or you know even robocop that sort of thing but transplanted into 3d apart from that i think we we struggle a little bit to have some innovation and keeping our finger on the modern pulse you've been playing one other title i believe i have oh yeah now this is so modern that it's on a system that came out in 1985 i think it was so it's a game called ricky and vicky it's a puzzle platformer and the guy who developed it on his own uh decided to develop it for the atari 7800 and create something brand new for something that old and he's made what i think everybody recognizes to be by far the best game on the system i'm playing it through steam 
it's available on Steam, but you can st- you can buy it from him as a cartridge if you've actually got one of the 7800s, the, of the five that actually got sold. And it, yeah, what you do is you control a character or two if you want to play it in two-player at the same time. It's very similar to Puzzle Bobble in that it's all on a single screen and you have to move box around to solve puzzles and to get out of areas and retrieve keys. So very similar, but it's actually a little bit more sophisticated than Puzzle Bobble because there are the enemies aren't just there to kill you. They actually form some of the traps and some of the solutions. I won't go into the intricacies of it because people can de- discover them for themselves, but it's it's really lovely looking. I was quite shocked at how many colors. It only does like 24 colors, I think, but yeah. it, the way that they're presented on screen is really charming, very attractive. It's got a distinct 8-bit look to it, but like top end of 8-bit. And the game itself is is tuned pretty much to perfection there's some annoying bits where pixel perfect jumping's needed and some you can get stuck in some trap loops which you know would have needed a little bit more play testing but i've played it for dozens of hours because it's really hard not super meat boy hard but you know much harder than like puzzle bobble mm. but very rewarding and very enjoyable so if you if you get the opportunity check it out on steam that's ricky and vicky for the, the atari 7800 so I've been playing just one game. I got sent review code for Murder by Numbers. Um, and the review is on the site if you want to check it out, which is a genre mashup of visual novel and pit cross. It's set in the mid-90s in Hollywood. You take the part of Hona Mizrahi, who is an, act- an actress in a TV show called Murder Miss Terry. And she gets fired from a job and the guy who fires her gets murdered a few minutes later. And then she's embroiled in trying to solve who murdered him, why, because she's a suspect. But yeah, you got you get embroiled in this uh, murder mystery. You have to do investigating of scenes, questioning of suspects, that kind of thing. You scan a scene, you, fu- you get a trigger to go, hey, there's something here. You press it. And to uncover clues, you solve pit cross puzzles. The cast within it are really well done. Um, some of the characters are really likeable. Others are annoying. Some you just outright dislike. Honor Mizrahi is quite possibly my favourite new character of a generation. She has moments where you just go, ugh, I I would, why are you saying that? You know, that's not the sort of thing you should be saying. But not in a, this is a character, this is a poorly written way. It's just like, yeah, that's something I could, as a character she's built, I can imagine she would say that. It's not the right thing for her to say, but I can imagine she would say that. And it's just yeah. really good. And the, what happens is the other characters around her are more caricaturists. And I think that helps with her character building as well. It's just it's, it's just really, really good. Um, and I said, yeah, the game itself is absolutely outstanding. If you, if you do like Pit Cross titles, then you should be getting it. It is outstanding. What platform is that on? Sorry, Brad. It's on Switch and PC at the moment. Because I'm really intrigued now, based on that. Yeah, it's uh, just been absolutely dominating my time over the past past week or so. So, yeah, absolutely outstanding. Murder by numbers. So, do we want to keep on a happy theme, or should we go for All Out Apocalypse? Well, I think we'll go All Out Apocalypse first, and then we can end on the things that are helping us get through it. <laughs> yeah, God, let's, let, let's, let, let, let's talk COVID-19. 
I don't know how you feel about it, but it's such a weird thing to be in the middle of. It's not anything I've kind of really experienced before. And you're kind of caught between, you know, preparedness. So you want to be prepared both mentally and, you know, logistically in terms of where you need to be, where you're going to work, food situation, seeing family, um, but also not panicking about it and not going too far. It feels like a really hard balance to strike. So I think that's the first thing to to deal with. So where's your balance at at the moment as of today? On a personal level, I'm just trying to get on with everyday life and I'm more worried about the other little things around rather than coronavirus itself, if that makes sense. Um, I want to make sure my family are okay and everyone I know is okay. And, you know, I'm doing the washing hands thing that you need to do. Um, yeah, I'm not super worried. I'm not in a panic, but I'm, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm heightened, I'll say. Yeah, me too. Because uh, I think if it, if it was just down to me and thinking about myself, then I, I, it wouldn't bother me in any way, shape or form, really. But it's when I think about, you know, the people that I care about and what I can do for them it starts to to worry me and it's not had like a really detrimental impact on my mental health but it, it really is that friction between am I caring enough or am I caring too much or am I fretting rather than just being prepared and concerned because you know my mum's not young she's mm. uh 77 this year and it, that's where my main concern is it's kind of yeah. out there rather than in here and um what kind of causes more friction is when you hear our government being either flippant or unprepared or how it exposes, you know, any flaws in the health service and that sort of thing. And you're like, oh, my God, you know, what would happen in this scenario kind of thing? And that's where the fret comes in. So you're battling with yourself then not to become too fretful. Yeah. Um, and I think it gives a really good uh, example of how, the government really needs to take the lead and tell you how much and exactly what you should be doing and preparing. Yep, the government could be a lot clearer on what it's doing. There is a lot of confusion, but I also think a lot of that is coming from social media um, and the whole idea, you know, we're happy to listen to Deirdre from accounts on what her take on coronavirus is and what it's going to do, but we're quite willing to shut up the experts when it comes to it. And we've been seeing on the news, you know, the likes of Trump and Johnson contradicting seconds later what a health expert has just advised them. And that causes a panic. I get more worried listening to that guy. If this does hit properly, we're not going to deal with it because no one's got a clue than I have if it was if we was in a situation like China got to or Italy's in now. I'd almost much rather be in that where it's hit big time and they dealt with it than the unknown we're in at the moment. Yeah, knowledge is always better than, uh, you know, doubt and uncertainty. What actually really got me really, really anxious was the other day I had to go to um, Tesco um, to get a bit of um, dinner in. So I went and we needed loo roll and we usually buy it in a pack of four, go to Tesco's, get most of the bits, go down the aisle and the only toilet roll left are massive jumbo packs of 24. I was like crying out loud, right? Okay, so I buy that. That's all fine. Get on the bus, and the bus driver turns around and goes, "Oh, we stopped piling, are we?" 
And I sat there the entire bus journey home going, people are judging me. People are judging me. People are judging me. Why? I should have just not got any. I should have just done without it. People are judging me. And the, uh, that's what affects me more is, is that side of it, is that on the personal level on how people are reacting to things or they, how they're going to react to me. And I know that's selfish, but that's affecting me more than the overall potential disaster of the entire thing. <laughs> no, I totally get it because it doesn't matter what's happening, you know, whether a nuclear bomb's about to drop or whatever. Until that moment happens, you've just got to carry on your life as you normally would because yeah. it's the only way society functions. And it, it hasn't like it hasn't had this gigantic effect on my mental health, but it's one of those things where it, it does impact it because it's constantly there in your mind and you're thinking, you know, well, is my not falling into that panic, which I'm not, of getting stuff you know, is that useful to society? Is it useful to me? Is it the right choice? And it's yeah. like, it, well, it probably is, but, you know, it's not stopping other people doing it. And therefore, I'm now fretting about what they're doing and the way they're impacting my life. So you can't, it's inescapable, isn't it? You know, the whole COVID-19 thing, it, it just, it's going to impact you no matter what. And yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to cope with it however best I can and try not to fret too much. And hopefully, yeah. This is one of the reasons that I'm a big fan of comedy. We like watching The Last Leg on a Friday. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, and I know it's not exactly the highest brow of comedy. They make light of it in such a way, you know, it's that kind of thing that got me through the whole Brexit thing as well, that you just had to laugh at some of it. Obviously, out of that side, what have you been doing to, say, circumvent that to sort of like turn the negatives that we're seeing with... Uh, COVID-19 into some more positives. Yeah, it's always good to have something going on in your life that's, you know, that you can rely on and reliably makes you happy. And um, one of them's creativity, which I'll talk about at a different time. But in terms of entertainment, um, basically YouTube and YouTube creators, these people who are doing things that are really fantastic, uh, really entertaining, and they're really niche, but they're constant and they're always there. So for example, I watch a lot of people doing restorations and it's taking things that, you know, are solid and old and unloved and just sort of titivating them and making them like new or better than new and create, you know, people who create things from scratch out of wood, people who restore old cars and just that, that sheer unbridled creativity is brilliant. I mean, I think we'll all remember like when we were kids when you would watch a program that you thought was going to be rubbish or boring about, you know, it was like a documentary about somebody's life or about something that they were interested in, a hobby of their own. And you became obsessed with it. And it was either a one-off or like a short series and it'd stick with you. And then you'd hope for more of those kinds of programs. And, you know, you'd obsessively watch tomorrow's world or whatever, or stuff about steam engines. And, and then like, that would be it for a year or two years, or you might never even see something like that again. But with YouTube, you can pick something like that and you can see it every single day, a brand new from different people. Yeah. And by and large, they're really nice, you know, normal individuals just doing something creative and non-destructive and hoping that that will please other people as well. And it's just, it is a really good thing for for your mental health, especially in a, dis in a in a disposable society. Yeah, I I agree. I I love going down a YouTube um, rabbit hole. I'm glad you brought this up because yesterday, uh, before we took my son to ice hockey, we was watching the chase, 
and a question came up um, that was which equine toy was released in 1983 by Hasbro. Um, and the chase didn't get it. And they were discussing, I went, that's my little pony. And it was right. And partner goes, how on earth did you know that? Did you have it? And I was, I was joking. I went, yeah, I was a brony. Um, and she went, what on earth is a brony? So I explained to her what that is. And she done that kind of, I think, thing you do initially uh, from oh, God, that era. Boys playing with my little pony. Are you sure? Uh, that's a bit weird. And I was like, we started having a little chat about it. And I was like, no, I think it's absolutely wonderful that there's people who get so into this stuff. It doesn't matter what it is. It's the same as people who do cosplay, uh, people who absolutely adore trains and planes and the spotters, the people we used to mock when you're a child, especially like, again, during the 80s and 90s for not being cool. But I love those people. Their passion is so illuminating. Um, I, I've recently got into watching um, Barry Lewis um, and his passion for like kitchen gadgets and stuff like that is so infectious. It really is. And I love watching those kind of things. Yeah, I agree. When you get the combination of somebody who knows tons about a subject and they're passionate and they're good at being a presenter, it, you know, it's just the, it's just the perfect mix. And it's a bit of an antidote to, you know, just watching fiction, which is great, you know, but you like a little bit of balance in your life and you like to see something that's quote unquote real, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, seeing real people do normal things really well is it, just great. But as an aside to that as well, it's really weird. It's, um, have you seen the Flat Earthers documentary on Netflix? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, I have seen that. Right. Now that, now the Flat Earthers are insane. I'm not, there's no, I'm not going to sugarcoat that in any way, shape or form. They are insane. But I still watched it. And at the end of it, I just went, do you know what? I can respect them because they're wrong. They are inherently wrong. But the passion they have, it's just like, yeah, I wish I had passion for something like you did. It's, yeah, it's just heartwarming in a way to see the passion they have and are willing to go through to, to, to live that life. It's it's important not to demonise, definitely. Uh, uh, yeah, people can perhaps direct their passions in a direction that is not necessarily right. But I know what you mean. It's still it's still good to watch non judgmentally and, and yes. yeah, try. And... No, exactly. Yeah, try to put that in the right way. That I'm not going. Hey, I agree. With flat Earthers and they're safe and you know enjoy them because like I said their message yeah. at a time. A lot of them is very dangerous. I'm trying yeah. to undo actual science, but. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, the point is passion is amazing to see. But talking of passion, was it uh, January 2019, I took over coaching my son's football team. I've, I've, I've just found that it's been something that I can really channel my energy into. And again, in a, you know, the way we talked about people when they've got a passion for something, what I tend to find, there was a stage where I felt miserable because I was worried about letting the kids down if like my personal life started going wrong and I wanted to walk away from it because I didn't feel I could give enough to it. But it's given me a focus that has been wonderful for my own mental health because when I'm having a positive impact on them, it, it just makes you feel really warm inside and it actually gives me a purpose that I was probably for a few years missing. Um, and what this has done, it's, it's given me something that shows I have got worth. 
I don't want to say it's turned my life around, but it has, it's given me a refocus that I felt was missing a few years back that is really back now. That's fantastic. No, it's really good to hear. Uh, it's one thing to sort of, you know, I think you've mentioned last week or or perhaps it was off air about how uh, it's very hard to calibrate how well you're doing about something because in yeah. life you very rarely as an adult get feedback for for what you're doing. If you're doing a good job in work, you, you re- it, it's just normally the fact that you're staying in that job is your reward yeah. rather than being singled out for any particular praise. And when you're doing something like coaching, you're not only seeing the results that's good for you, as in, you know, the kids doing well and you how they improve in themselves and their confidence getting better and their interactivity improving. And it sounds like just this excellent feedback loop of, you know, of, of everything that you would like to happen in an ideal world, really. And that's, that's, I think it's a fairly rare thing, unfortunately, but it's great that it's happened for you, it really is. Yeah, and what what's really good as well, when, when you hear something from the kids that that is positive, you get those little positive feedbacks and it goes, right, okay, I'm going to put more into this or we're going to go try even harder. And you want to do it rather than you generally only, with a lot of things, you only ever get feedback when it's negative. Uh, depending on the type of person you are, when you get negative feedback, you might not kick on from that properly. Um, and different people react in different ways. I've been learning a lot about myself and, again, how to deal with different people because in a football team, especially with kids, you, you really learn how you have to deal with different people in different ways. And the rewards of when you learn how to do that, are, again, are immediate. You know, I've got sort of like one kid who I've really got to almost put my arm around him all the time. Otherwise, you know, his head drops and, you know, he feels bad. Whereas I've got another kid where I can happily mock him. I can turn around and like when we're going, have you got your starting lineup? I go, yeah, you're not playing because you asked and stuff like that. And he'll he'll take that as a joke and he'll, he'll kick on from it and get a smile. So it's learning how to deal with that in a microclimate of all those kids has helped me do that better in life as well. And it's just, yeah, it's just really interesting to see how it's helped me. And it sounds almost mushy and cliche to go, you know, what I'm doing for the kids is great, but it's almost what the kids are doing for me without knowing is even better. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think the best teachers that you have in your life that you remember from the past or who are still in your life recognize you as an individual and, and what your individual needs are. And it sounds as though you're doing that. You're picking out the things that the kids need individually rather than just treating them as a unit recognizing that different kids need different speeds of response and different you know encouragement techniques i think that's really important and it sounds like you've nailed it so yeah nice one and again i think that comes around to how we deal with mental health you know we learn that some people are happy to talk about things um, and can be quite open about it other people don't they have to express themselves in a different way um, i think i said before my partner sometimes she knows when she's got to be on eggshells around me other times she knows when she has to tell me just to wake up and get a grip um now say, telling someone to man up um or to get a grip or to cheer up is always seen as a negative when you see mental health discussion that's seen as a negative you never tell someone who suffers mental health that just cheer up but at the same time for certain individuals that might work it might just give them a, just a, a calibration for a moment that snaps them out of something. 
And again, it's not a catch-all. You don't have this catch-all situation where one solution works for every single person. And for what might for what is considered best practice will work for a huge amount of people. But sometimes you've got to really step back and go, right, for these one or two, this is how we've got to do it differently. Um, and so again, it's, I say, it's amazing. It's what I've, something I've really learned by working with, with, with the kids um, in this environment. Excellent. Long may it continue then. Uh, but I'm actually in the middle of trying to pen an article and trying to find the right words with regards to mental health, where we talk, like the phrase you often see on, um, with the hashtags, it's okay not to be okay. But one of the things that got me thinking about with mental health, and it's almost a taboo subject, it's okay to be okay. It's, yeah. you know, it's very, it's not very often when, it talk, when we talk about mental health, do we talk about the positive sides of it? Or when you do have a week or even a month or something like that, where it's all gone well. We don't talk about that. I don't know if it's a guilt thing or something like that. And I'm trying to find the right words for my article that I'm writing. And I've been writing it for about a week so far. So it's, it's, um, but yeah, it's when the positives do happen, we need to grasp them as much as we can. And I love hearing about other people's positiveness as well, because it gives you like, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Um, So if anything from this, I'm hoping that the positiveness of this one, um will help someone else at some point as well for sure yeah so you've got anything else to add to only that um yeah no i agree that you know guilt can be a you can have people who are absolutely fantastic people and you never know that they're just feeling guilty for failing all the time and you're like oh you're not failing you're you're brilliant everybody loves you it's really obvious but that doesn't change how they feel and uh, so, yeah, positive reinforcement enforcement is very important. People who are being positive are invaluable. It's great when they find the things in life that enable them to do that. Definitely. Excellent. And just to finally, just to bring it back round to games before we go, just briefly, um, obviously Animal Crossing comes out on the 20th of March. Uh, Doom Eternal comes out on the 20th of March. We've been talking about creativity. If you want just to smile and laugh, just go on the internet and look for all the fan art crossover creative memes to do with the Animal Crossing Doom Eternal loving, um, both from fans of the games and the creators of the games themselves. It is just wonderful to see two such opposing game styles merging together because they're coming out on the same day. It is just brilliant absolutely brilliant to see it is. yeah it's really good um but yeah so that's been the podcast for another week i'm still trying to work out the best way to do an outro for these um so like subscribe share everything you can whether you see this on youtube if you're listening to it on your podcast provider if you listen to it on the website share it on twitter facebook instagram tiktok is that the latest one whatever that is um to talk about it there press the red buttons and everything i'm just i'm not good with that but do all that any feedback is welcome and until next week goodbye <laughs>